0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.
0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the folks that love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. And we will be your guides today through Mississippi and the American South's wonderful food landscape. And you know it's February and it's a month full of flavors that we love from savory stews to chocolate desserts. And we want to bring it all in and talk about it today on the show. We will talk about recent food headlines, latest cooking hacks, and whatever is on your culinary mind. Java wants to know about cooking rice in a microwave, so we're going to talk about that. We are live today. Carol is back. Welcome back, Carter.
2: Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Mel. We missed you last week. Well, I missed y'all. I missed y'all. I was up in the frozen Northland <sighs> eating walleye.
0: Oh, walleye. Okay, walleye. frozen walleye.
2: No, well, it was it was freezing. <laughs> it was, sorry, it was freezing out, outside, but that's a Minnesota thing. Minnesota. Minnesota, and they eat walleye, so I had very much.
0: Had uh, a lot of walleye. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was well, great. That's good. Had, had it fried?
2: Had it fried, had it sautéed.
0: It's walleye for every I, meal. We
2: had, uh, John had walleye with crushed pistachios. My goodness. On it, so, Who
0: knew? Who knew? As I said, we are live, and... Uh, We'd be happy to hear from you if you're interested in anything we come up with this morning, or if you just have questions, comments, suggestions. Uh, or you just want to talk about food uh, and the uh, and the great landscape thereof? I had um, a really good meal the other day. Rick Cleveland and I, while you were out of town, Rick Cleveland and I went to eat at Elvie's for lunch, and we both decided we were going to have the same dish, which I generally don't do, but we both got the Hangtown Omelette.
2: Well, that is one of their most famous dishes.
0: So if you're not familiar with the Hangtown, it's fried oysters and bacon uh, served with an omelette. And in this case, at Elvie's, they serve a French omelette, their version of a French And omelet. I
2: know that made you happy.
0: Although it's very different than the one I make. It is, it's very creamy on the inside, very fluffy on the outside, and they serve it with three perfectly fried crisp oysters. So, so I decided, I, I was curious, like, where did this dish come from? So I did a little research. It turns out that the Hangtown Fry is a type of omelet made famous during the California Gold Rush in the 1850s. The most common version includes bacon and oysters combined with eggs and fried together. But in the case of Elvie's, it's put on top with a hollandaise type sauce. Very Sounds
2: good. delicious. That, that's one of the dishes that John T. Edge mentioned on the great television show True South when they came to Jackson.
0: Now, Java, how does, how does an omelet or eggs cooked with fried oysters sound to you?
3: Sounds like uh, tomorrow's
0: breakfast. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Good. So you're, you're in. Yeah, I, I am yeah, very okay. in. Yeah, uh, okay. So would you rather have walleye or a hangtown omelet? <laughs>
3: Don't make me choose live <laughs> laugh on the air.
2: <laughs> well, at it, it, my house, we are um, – Malcolm, I'm having some marital
0: issues. Oh, Oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah, and it, it's over food. Uh, I mean, I take great pride in cooking three meals a day for John. You know, we're out. We're 25. We're out in the country. We are 25 or 30 minutes from a quart of milk. So, you know, you have to oh. plan ahead. But John has been rejecting my food in favor of Renita's food at lee's heavenly barbecue and soul food restaurant
0: well let me say this back in the day and i'm going to guess this was 10 or 15 years ago david patterson was working on a construction project somewhere out in edwards and i would go out there with him and we would go to lee's and it was rocking and rolling back then so that place has been around a while
2: well, all I know, it's made a big impression on my household. And
0: <laughs> You got a resentment?
2: Well, I do have a resentment because I'm showing you this recipe. Okay. That's leftover from the walleye. <laughs> this is pan-seared chicken with harissa, dates, and citrus. This is what I was making for okay. dinner Friday night. You
0: wouldn't get that at Lee's?
2: No, you would not get that at Lee's Heavenly Barbecue and Soul Food. And John rejected that dish. And I'm going to share with you what the menu was on Friday, at least. Smothered pork chops, catfish, pulled pork, spaghetti, Mm -hmm. baked chicken, and rib tips. Now, what he chose to do since it was Catfish Friday, he had catfish for lunch and then wanted the smothered pork
0: chops for supper. Instead of the fancy instead chicken of pan-seared chicken with mm-hmm.
2: harissa dates and and citrus, so um,
0: well you're going to need a little. I'm feeling counsel. bad. i A ab- little work.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling bad this. about myself, and I've got to learn how to make smothered pork chops. Yes, you know, really this week. So if anybody has any hints for me, I have never smothered a pork chop. Okay, I normally pan-sear it and then stick it in the oven. You know. Uh, big well, pork chops. The only and then it you know, then drizzle like a a peach jalapeno glaze. Okay, at the hold end. on.
0: There, there's the problem. First of all, you said drizzle versus smothered. Yes. John wants smothered, and you're drizzling. And
2: I'm drizzling. So, so help me, people. Help so me with the to, smothered
0: pork before chops. Before you put the pork chop back in the oven, you're going to have to smother it. Yes. In some gravy. Yes. Broth. Yes, reduction so I onions.
2: Need, I need some help okay. here, and then I'm going to invite uh, you and Java to, to catfish okay. Friday soon.
0: Now, here's you mentioned two things that I that I love: catfish with spaghetti. Ooh, it's an African American thing. Java, do you agree with me? Oh yes, sir, yes. Because I remember uh, we had Enrica,
3: uh, chef Enrica Williams, on uh, about maybe a year ago, and we were talking about this catfish and spaghetti, and everybody else was. Surprised that this was coming, and for me and her, they go together like grits well, and butter. Well, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very, very white, and I did not know this, but spaghetti was on the menu with, with catfish, and but, so but i got an
0: order of spaghetti. I'm going to remind you that back in the day at Walker's Drive-In, in the earliest days, they were serving the Friday catfish had a side of spaghetti, and it, because they had this African-American chef in the kitchen, and she... That's how she served it, and I loved it. I've, I, but it was the first introduction I'd ever seen.
2: Okay, well, thank you, guys. Next next week, I'll put spaghetti on John's catfish.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. You'll He'll be happy. You'll be happy. And do you uh, think
2: I should get a bit, forget a about the pan-seared chicken uh, with Harissa Davis and Sipters for now?
0: For now. Yeah. I, I think maybe a special event, if you're having guests okay. over. I think John— wants to go sell food here
2: he he is he's, he's a now Carol
3: food.
0: with your with your walleye uh one of our
3: fellow producers Liz Gill uh she came in and, and talked about how she went to Minnesota and got walleye on a stick mm. really and it was available
0: as a footlong <laughs> uh, uh, oh my
2: goodness, yeah. oh my goodness
0: I don't know, but if she says that she had it and it was good, you know she aren't you from up north somewhere no, she's from Arkansas, oh okay. <laughs> I was just curious. Well, I do see (laughs) they have – But you've had walleye on a stick. They have walleye on a
2: stick at the Minnesota State (coughs) Fair. And just I know before we get off walleye, I have to ask you because I know you've been up there. Oh, yeah. Around the boundary waters and canoeing and doing that. Did you ever catch a walleye while you were there?
0: I have landed a walleye and cooked it out on an open fire. Okay. And it was delicious. But I have never had – Walleye on a stick. So. Okay,
2: thank you, Liz Gill. Yes. Well,
0: win in Minnesota. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Do what the Minnesotas do. All right, Carol, it's how uh, St. Patty's Parade is upon us, and you and I have been participating in that for now 40 years. 40
2: years, and Malcolm, I must tell you that Cassandra Wilson as Grand Marshal is an inspired choice. Thank Would you. you agree, Java?
3: Yes, Cassandra Wilson? Correct. Yeah. Yes, he is. Phenomenal! I've had the pleasure to be in the presence when she was singing, and uh, I'm glad that she is the grand marshal. Right. So yeah,
2: so we'll probably play a li- we'll play a little music around around that time of Cassandra's.
3: Yeah, DJ Carol on the ones and twos. <laughs>
2: oh, on the ones and twos. Yep. Well, Cassandra's a Jackson native, went to Murrah High School. Um,
0: yes, a proud Murrah alum. Yep, right? yep, yep, And our theme is 40 years of all that jazz to celebrate. Um, You know, there are only four, I think, four um, art, original art forms that came from the United States of America so far, maybe five today. But they are modern dance, Carol. Yes. They are jazz, Java, which emanates from the blues. And cartooning, Marshall Ramsey is another one. Your chair's going up. here. chair. Carol's (laughs) fading over here. And, And film not the discovery of the technology of film the french get credit for that but the but america gets credit for the creation of hollywood
4: of movies as, as
0: an art form and those are america's original art contributions one of which comes from mississippi by way of the blues through jazz and so we're celebrating that with cassandra
2: good going man and if
0: i could add hip hop I years. was going to say that hip hop is probably not on that list but should be.
3: It's off it's off the tree, yep. you know, of the blues and the jazz, but uh hip hop is a true and um exclusive American art form.
0: Excellent. Now we have 5. And uh, counting. All right, uh talk about the um James Beard Awards. It's been a uh, a big round this year. I think there were only 6.
2: Only the, uh, they have well they the big Awards are in May, but they go ahead and they announce their American Classics Award in february and These are restaurants that have stood the test of time are you know very important in their community, and you know a different kind of award than the others and Java you ask a question that I'd love to put out to our listeners what restaurants in Mississippi do you think could be um, should be America's classics and I wanted to tell you about two who have been America's classics um, I was there in 2009 when Doe's Eat Place from Greenville was honored and it was such a treat to be at Lincoln Center and see the Cigna family, and wow. Aunt Florence was right up the in there. The salad maker. Yes, walking the red carpet in tuxedos and gowns and being interviewed by national press. I mean, it was really a moment of pride, and Doe's Eat Place certainly, certainly deserving, Greenville, Mississippi. So
3: and that was— give a- well, I was just going to say to give a little background: the American Classics um, to be qualified to win that award, you have to be a locally owned restaurant um, that has timeless appeal, beloved regional, uh, regionally for quality food that reflects the character of its community, and have to be, have been open for ten years. Now, I can imagine that in a lot of communities, especially in uh, Mississippi, these may these are your local. Family-owned, you know everybody in the restaurant type of places, and you may even kind of take them for granted a little bit. They've been there for, you know, in the community as a staple, but to be pointed out as an American classic um, is is a true honor.
2: Yep, and Doe's has been in business for 81 years. Wow. Okay, and then but, in 2016, bullies was honored.
0: Okay. Yep. Jackson's on.
2: Yeah, and yeah, you know, that's uh, just a really big deal that in our community we have a America's Classic restaurant. So Excellent. shout out to Absolutely. to police.
0: And then you say that the the rest of the awards, the like our like Sambus and Elvies who were nominated, that that's later.
2: Yes, they are all semifinalists. I got you. and.
0: Um, are there other Mississippi restaurants that are in the semifinals?
2: You know, um, uh, Vestige on the coast Vestige, was, yeah. mm-hmm. Vestige w- was last year, and I think they are this year. Okay, cool. This year, if anybody um, knows
0: well, restaurants that are still in the nomination process, give us a call. Tell us about it. We we may have left a few out. But uh, and
2: and I'm going to make my first nomination for a restaurant I think should be in America's Classic. Okay. And that's the Big Apple Inn.
3: Oh, yeah. Yes. Been featured many times on many a programs and is op- open today. So,
2: <laughs> so, uh, so deserving. But it would be great if we had some callers mm-hmm. who, from their communities, could yeah. help us make a list of our own Mississippi America's Classics. And it would give us... You know, over the next year, we could check in with some of these.
0: I sure. think that would be cool. Yeah, so if you know of uh, restaurants or there are restaurants in your community you think are deserving of the American Classics Award, give us a call. We'll start our own list.
2: We will. And uh, uh, about the smothered pork chops, Yeah. I have already gotten two emails. And one is from the great Buddy Stallings. Yes, who was so a you, you, priest at Saint James for for many years, and he said he laughed out loud at the distinction between smothered pork shops and my fancy drizzled mm. chicken. Yes. So, and the other is from Pippa Jackson, who says, "Throw some." Uh, she said, "You fry that sucker, and then you make gravy with the fries, <laughs> with the fry and You cover it up with gravy and onions, and then throw and in such. some mushrooms. There
0: you go, mushrooms. Yeah." Yeah, so the difference, you just have to think about this, Carol. Drizzled, smothered. Okay. Just keep that in mind. Well,
2: I'm just going to say that John's you, not you interested not, in being yeah. drizzled.
0: He wants to be smothered. You did not
2: complain about the drizzled pork chops at my house. No, no, I like we drizzle.
0: A... We're talking about your husband. Okay. Who says he doesn't want the He's drizzled chicken. He's tired of drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Give the man some smothered.
2: Okay, Java, what is this, this Wait thing? Wait a minute. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, we have these plastic cups here. What's going on? Styrofoam.
3: Well, um, you know, we, we love a good taste test over here um, at Deep South Dining. And I saw that Pepsi, Pepsi Cola, the Southern, the Southern Classic, um, introduced a new flavor. Well, actually, it was last year's um, <coughs> sorry, kind of uh, Easter uh, thing where they put Peeps in the Pepsi. So now it's available on shelves, and I was able to find one early this morning. I think it was the only one in the store, so it lets you know how
0: popular it is. Probably leftover from last year.
2: (laughs) I I have never thought of mixing my Peeps with my Pepsi.
0: Okay, here goes nothing. We are officially tasting, Carol and I, for the very first time ever. Yes. Pepsi. Pepsi Peeps. Flavored Pepsi, Peeps Live flavored Pepsi, and on the air. Yeah, okay. if you, if you Cheers. don't know about
3: Peeps, Peeps are the marshmallowy uh, little chicken or um, chicken things. They come in bunny shapes too, for like Easter. marshmallows. Yeah, yeah, marshmallows covered with sugar and stuff. So super sweet. If you have kids, then you probably know all about Peeps.
2: Hey, um, I'm getting, I'm getting a little. I'm up of
0: a little note. Um, I'm uh,
2: swirling. I'm <laughs> swirling and sniffing.
0: There's an extraordinary amount of s- sugar here. Yes,
2: there's both extraordinary. Both coming from
0: the Pepsi formula, enhanced by the Peeps formula, and it's really, really sweet. Not quite as carbonated as I would like. Yeah. I prefer a little more carbonation. Okay. Um, well, it could
2: have flattened out since Java poured it. <laughs>
3: But it, it it is sweet now. If you are, I mean, just imagine Peeps and Pepsi yeah. put together. It's it's, not, it's no short on sugar. No, um, so you know it's it's if you want to, it's there and it's available. I thought it was kind of fun. I, it,
0: if it, are we on a scale of ten or five here, Java? Um, let's do ten. Give you a round. I'll give it a two.
2: Uh, I can't give it because you know the Pepsi people here are my good friends, and I I just.
0: Well, this isn't about the Brown family. This is about the peeps flavored Pepsi. I they just, just distribute it.
2: I just don't like to mix my peeps <laughs> with my Pepsi. Too much I do.
0: politics in this peeps business. I oh, love, wow.
2: I do love a peep.
0: <laughs> a peep,
3: but uh, you like a peep and a Pepsi, but it's just not peeps with your Pepsi. Great. Yes. You know, I like it. I, I can dig it. I to can. each okay. their own. To each their own.
2: Java, thank you for bringing yeah. this experience. I mean, we go from olive oil tasting to peep and Pepsi tasting—it's easy.
0: <laughs> and speaking of olive oil, some of the Starbucks Carol have started putting olive oil in their drinks. And our friend Elaine Trigiani, I'm sure, would have an opinion about this. What yeah. do you say?
2: Well, this is this is in in Italy that they're doing this. They just started. Um, I have a news release mm. from Milan, Italy, as we sometimes say, here,
0: directly to you
2: here in uh, Mississippi, and they are mixing coffee with olive oil. And it's an alternative to their more standard uh, espressos and cappuccino. And the name of it is Oleato.
0: Oleato. Yes. Okay.
2: Espresso, Oleato. Oh.
4: And it
2: is infused with a spoonful of cold-pressed extra virgin Extra, <laughs> extra virgin Vir- olive oil. Olive oil. Okay. So next time you're in Italy... Let's give it uh, a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. Or
0: if you're at home, you make an espresso, pop a little olive oil in it. You know, I love olive oil dropped on top of soups in certain dishes. Oh, yeah. You know, put on my bread after it's warm. I just love the drizzle, drizzle, drizzle. Now, this is a place where drizzle, for me, works.
2: Yeah, as yeah. As
0: opposed to smothered.
2: Um, I I have something else i needed to you, you talk got about a news flash.
0: Uh, I, I something has gone on at a popeye's fried chicken oh wow in uh, augusta store. georgia they, it happened in georgia like so many things and uh carol has the real inside scoop on this and we we want to touch on this before well, we while take a she, break
3: yeah while she pulls that up i do want to say congratulations to our good friend at Sambu's uh kitchen they're getting ready to celebrate one year um their one year anniversary and I mean, what a year it has been. The last time they were on the show is because they were a semifinalist for the James Beard Award, Best New Restaurant.
2: Yeah, congratulations, so, Sambu's. I actually saw a picture posted by Edmund Lee on Cooking and Coping this weekend, and he was at Sambu's and took a picture. Of his plate, and it reminded me to go there in person and not eat it out of a styrofoam box next time. <laughs> it was beautiful, but here, here's the news: okay. I'm not going to name Breaking the woman, news. although she is named in this article. But she drove her vehicle into a Popeyes restaurant on purpose <laughs> after the biscuits were mistakenly left out of her order.
3: Wow! Wait a minute.
2: Yeah, and she's been charged. That's with, no way to with act. First degree criminal damage to the property and aggravated assault and those must be some kind of biscuits.
3: Yeah, she mm. was really she wanted she wanted those Popeye's biscuits. That's not, and so, that's I not mean,
2: fun. You no. know, I think it's important here on Deep South Dining to cover food to crime. R-
0: report the news. Food I mean, yeah. crime. Yeah. Well, there you go. When uh, you got a Biscuit craving slung up on you, and they leave it out of your to go order. There's really very little left to do but to whip around and smash into the restaurant. I mean, I mean you could have wa- right?
3: walked inside and said, Excuse me, you left my biscuits
2: And don't you know people are running to Popeyes for those biscuits now?
3: Wow, the biscuits after hearing with the honey. This. Yeah, yep. that, that's right. nice.
0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining where we celebrate every Monday morning at 9 a.m., we repeat it. On Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., and then we are podcast into eternity. Is that right, Java? That is exactly correct, sir. Tell our listeners, some ask me while they are talking to me in the line at the grocery store. I see people out walking. They want to know about the podcast. Tell them how they can... uh, well, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get audio.
3: I mean, some people use Apple Podcasts, some people use uh, Stitcher and other different apps, but also you can download the MPB Public Media app, which is absolutely free, and uh, all of our podcasts live there as well. So, really, we're easy. on
2: Spotify too. Spot- we?
3: Yeah, Spotify. Wherever you can get, um, your and just podcasts. on the little,
2: little purple icon on my iPhone. Yeah, little, Apple
3: Podcasts. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We're, we're, we are everywhere.
2: and it's, we, Well, we are everywhere, and we hear from some of our listeners all over the world. And, you know, that's exciting, too. But, um, yeah, too. We're many. huge
0: in Spain, right, Carol? Portugal. Portugal, I'm sorry. <laughs> but because of John, he, he has all these contacts of being well, the former ambassador. You know,
2: I don't know. Of the United but States we ambassador. even had a call one time. And Peru. But, yeah peru yeah. yeah yeah so yeah good hey
0: right. we're international <laughs> all right next week i just want to remind you this is a a note uh next monday march the 6th we will air our adventure with scott peacock uh the biscuit experience uh that we were fortunate enough to take advantage of carol we took a crowd over to uh, marion alabama and spent the uh, Better part of a of a morning and into an afternoon with. And uh, the Scott, night before. Scott Peacock, uh, d- delightful experience. And yeah. anyway, Java has he he took our recording device and interviewed a bunch of people and talked to Scott. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, yeah, myself. we're going to actually
3: have Scott um, join us um, uh, via Skype also and in, and uh, in, in talk with us. So. He- yeah, on and Monday it was, the sixth. Yeah, um, on next Monday. Yes. A, oh, wow. Kind
2: of a. It was a spiritual experience. It was really cool. In a way. Yeah, yeah, it it was, and a benefit, <laughs> a side benefit we weren't expecting, was the the history behind of Marion, Marion mm-hmm. Alabama, who knew.
3: Yeah, that was really the, I mean, the biscuits were nice, but that was a super highlight. Was it super it highlight.
2: was, and it's about an hour from Tuscaloosa and about a half hour from Selma. It's kind of a left turn and a right turn and a left turn. And, there, and, the and the it's dark. dark. It but, is very
0: dark. But we should not talk too much about how dark it was because it could offend people. But anyway, we've got a caller. Mike is calling us from Hernando. Hello, Mike. How are you, my man?
4: Good morning, you guys. Listen, man, Give. I want to give a shout-out to a restaurant here that's uh, relatively new. It's only been here for a couple of years. But the owner and chef is from Louisiana, and he came up here. It's called The Parish, and it's oh. in Hernando. If you take Commerce Exit, Exit 280, and that is Commerce, uh, come right up into town, and on your right, you'll see The Parish. If you come in the evening, the parking lot's jammed, so it's advisable to call ahead. The specialty is fish dishes, Mm. uh, Cajun touch, and also steaks and that. But it is unbelievably good. A relatively new restaurant. Yeah, it's relatively. It's probably two years it's been here. But everybody in this area is just flocking to it.
2: And I'm assuming that the name, the Parish, uh, is a play on Louisiana instead of. Counties they have parishes. Correct. Yes. Do you think that That's correct. Might, that is okay. correct. Uh huh. Well, that is a great Good. tip.
4: Great tip. Yeah. Listen, it's worth it because he's an award-winning chef, and he's just taking this area by storm. And you drive by in the evening, and you, you can't find a parking place. Okay. Uh, do call ahead. It's a uh, do call ahead if you want to come. Check it out and try to get a reservation because honestly, it is more than worth it. Well, and we'll it's reasonably do that. Priced. Right. We'll
2: do that, and that's, that's a great service you've done to all of our listeners in northwest Mississippi, too.
0: That's right. So, Thanks thank so much. We appreciate you listening, uh, calling in, sharing that information. We're always on the lookout for new restaurants, new eateries uh, as we travel across the Magnolia State. The parish uh, in Hernando is new, relatively new, and according to Mike, it's covered up so if you're up yep. that way you and want some callers good let us food,
2: hear the uh, places in your hometown
0: absolutely then the Paris
3: oyster bar in uh it's the full name the Paris oyster bar restaurant i'm on their website now and they said uh bring your own bottle of wine no charge
0: <laughs> okay no coverage fee just bring your own wine very good that's uh, in hernando so check it out if you find yourself uh in that arena so, Java, you had a question uh, for Carol and I, and a topic that we thought we might cover this morning. Pretty
3: deep. Mm. It's philosophical.
0: It's deep.
3: Yeah, it is a little bit. But I, I, I've been wondering this because since I've been on the show with you guys, you have um, leveled up my um, dining experience, my culinary experiences, and um, I just wanted to know about you know when that happened. I guess for you guys. <sighs> I know several times we talk about how um, you growing up, um, well, pretty much everyone growing up, you ate whatever it was on the family table. And, right. you know, if it was pork and beans, it was pork and beans. If it was, uh, you know, chicken Tetrazzini, it was chicken Tetrazzini. But at some point, you guys started venturing out and. Eating with these award winning chefs and knowing the difference between uh you know different sauces and, and 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 cooking techniques, so I just had the question about when did you quote unquote level up your great your eating experience yeah, great and
2: question. of course, I had to look up leveling up. I thought I knew what it what it meant, but it means taking your life to the next level, or taking anything to the next level. And I know it's a term used a lot by gamers. But also, I mean, you can level up any of your goals. Yeah, any
3: aspect of your life can be be leveled up. And that's honestly, you know, kind of what you want to do, sort of along the same lines of uh, you do better when you know better, so you do better. I mean, Uncle Joe in the backyard, he makes the best hamburger. But when you go and taste, uh, you know, an award winning hamburger, like, say, from Stamps or something, you know, you may be like, whoa, this is this is different. The same way when we went to uh, Scott Peacock's brisket experience, it was just it was something a little different. And for me, my own personal experience, I can um, say when the first time I ate um, a dinner with Chef Enrica Williams, it was just a little different, yeah. and I, I was like, this is, this is a level up. I can't eat at this level all day, every day. <laughs> but it was, it was just a little different, so I, I just wondered when that happened to you guys. Yeah. Well, right.
2: Malcolm, before we take the deep and philosophical dive, we have a caller from Fulton who is going to tell us about a restaurant there.
0: Yeah, Rebecca's on the phone. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Well,
1: how are you doing?
0: Well, great, so thank you so much for calling.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, we uh, we had a golf trip to Birmingham this past week past weekend, and we went to a little place in Bessemer that was called Bright Star. Love it, and and it, it was it was so yummy. But um, but it's you know it's the oldest restaurant in Alabama, and someone um, in our party was talking about how the, the German restaurant in Meridian is. Maybe the oldest restaurant? Correct. Wide Minutes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And and I was just wondering, you know, like, I I don't know if it has any James Beard awards or anything like that, but but I was just wondering, you know, about some of the really old restaurants to go to in, in Mississippi.
0: That's great. That's a wonderful uh, share, and we appreciate uh, the question. You know, the Bright Star, I love the Bright Star. It is in Bessemer, uh, as Rebecca said. It is an old Greek-American restaurant. Think the Mayflower. Tile floors, booths, seafood, stuffed flounders, fried oysters, the same, you know, that kind of uh, cuisine and that kind of feel. It's right in downtown in the middle uh, of Bessemer. Which is just outside of Birmingham, sort of a, you know, like Madison would be to Jackson, if you would. But anyway, Bright Star, really great family-owned Greek American restaurant, terrific. And and then she mentioned um, uh, Weidman's, uh, German family uh, in Meridian, often called the oldest restaurant uh, in, uh, the the longest operating restaurant in Mississippi. I would think the oldest restaurant eatery in Tavern would have to be like King's Tavern in Natchez because it was settled long before Meridian. But I think Weidman's distinction is it's the longest operating restaurant uh, in Mississippi. A great restaurant. Um, I've enjoyed eating there many, many times. But those are are really wonderful um, tidbits of info. Uh, If if anybody disputes uh, my take on the oldest restaurant, you're welcome to call and correct me. I stand corrected if I am wrong. Carol? And,
3: and it is a 2010 Americans Classic uh, winner. The, the Bright Star for James Beer Foundation. 2010 Americans
0: Classic Award.
2: Good work, Java.
0: The Snoop Java. He's also okay, a Okay, Rebecca,
2: so there is a good piece of information for you.
0: Terrific. Thank you so much uh, for listening and for calling and sharing that um, bit of info. So, Carol, we were back to leveling up. Java, it, shared his leveling up experience what about yourself
2: um my leveling up really it changed my whole life the direction of my career and my life in 1975 i was living in um, illinois i was working for a caterpillar tractor in their public relations and public affairs but i had to go to chicago quite a bit Yeah, which is such a great city. But one of the uh, people I worked with, an executive uh, at Caterpillar, took me to a French restaurant called The Bakery. It is no longer (sighs) there, but it was my first experience in a fine dining restaurant. I I grew up in a family with six children, and, and we ate well. But, you know, my mother cooked vats of food. There were a lot of Sloppy Joes, uh, something called Greco that was ground beef and macaroni, you know, that type of thing. But a waiter at the bakery came by our table with, you know, a platter, and he put this glob of gray stuff on our, like, a little bread plate Mm -hmm. and had what I now know are croutons. And I thought, this is the most awful-looking thing I've ever seen in my whole life, a gray blob, and I watched my boss, you know, what he did, and he spread it on the crouton, you know, and then ate it. So I just watched him, and I did that. And all of a sudden, this flavor spread throughout my mouth. It was pâté. Right. It was a French pâté, and it just changed the way I felt about food, and it was also helped by a bottle of Chateau Margot wine. I did mm. not realize at the time how precious, you know, that was. So I'm sure, you know, it was a long time ago and it and it probably wasn't that expensive because, you know, I had been drinking Boone's Farm from Modesto, California at Mardi Gras. <laughs>
0: and loving it.
2: And, you know, and loving it and tasting Chateau Margot in and pate. Um, and because of that, I became interested in food and it was right when Crate and Barrel opened oh. in Chicago and I began you know getting kitchen tools and experimenting with food so that was when I leveled up
3: I like right. that I like that because it's also like you you liked your Boone farms yeah and, and, I did. you know but it's it's just that experience to you was significantly different and it just mm-hmm. op-
0: it just opened you up I like that I like that Okay Mal thanks so when you were describing watching your boss to see what he did with the pate i had a very uh distinct recall of a scene in a movie called cannery row where doc takes the young woman out to eat she has no idea how to eat in a fancy restaurant and her dialogue uh is about watching him so that she doesn't make any mistakes, which fork to use, what to eat first, so forth and so on. But anyway, great food scene for you foodies out there in Cannery Row. Uh, I don't know the year of the movie, but, uh, I do know that Dr. John did the soundtrack for me. The leveling up really began subconsciously when we lived down, uh, close to the coast and we would go to new Orleans, uh, but I, I did full circle, and I came back to that area in 1974 when I enrolled at University of Southern Mississippi, w- which would have been my fourth uh, institution of higher learning to experiment with. But I began to go to New Orleans as an adult, and I, a year later, I was working uh, in New Orleans running the Bourbon Orleans Hotel. And it was those two years, 76 and 77, living in the Marigny, working in the French Quarter. Uh, My brother, Hal, came to join me. Several other of our friends uh, who were in the industry came and lived and worked with us there. But we began to go out and eat all of the recommendations of Richard Collins, the underground gourmet, who was the writer for the Times-Picayune. And every week he had a food column, and I religiously— would go to all the places that he recommended and begin to really think seriously about food, and it was in New Orleans.
2: And soon after, you entered the restaurant business.
0: Yeah, I was already in it, in the hospitality. I was the assistant manager of the Berman Orleans Hotel, ran all the food and beverage. But I was learning on the job uh, in this city that was just you know brimming with culinary surprises
2: you know when java asked us that question right before the show you know i thought i was thinking about you and i told you i said you probably leveled up at home because you were eating things like gumbo and all these dishes over the years that we've been friends that you tell me that you're Aunt Murtis or yeah. Aunt Von Sill um, yeah, th- would make, and that sounded very exotic to me. The way you ate at home when you were a child in in Wiggins,
0: yeah, we were fortunate uh, because, again, being that close to the coast, that we had access to all of that culture and 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 the, to those food, uh, you know, to the to the seafood, and and I was exposed fairly early on. To nice restaurants on the coast in New Orleans. And then, of course, uh, my aunt and uncles and my grandparents, too, cooked. It was pretty simple cooking, but it was – now I look back and I think it was uh, – you know, it was very bold for that time. But, uh, you know, the, the one-pots, I love the one-pot cooking, the gumbos, the red beans and rice, the – uh, the navy beans, the the soups, you know, all of those things. So, yeah, I was fortunate to um, to have that encounter. But anyway, that was sort of where my leveling up began. We've got another caller. David is calling in from New Albany, Mississippi. Hello, David. How are you?
5: All right. How are you all this morning? Great. Uh, I heard the story about the lady or whoever it was upset about their biscuits missing. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask a question about that. I was in a I was in a Hardee's once when a, when they ran out of biscuits, and I was standing next to a man. That by the time it was over, he was pounding on the counter with both fists, threatening to come behind and whip the manager. And they had two cop cars and two cops <laughs> up there. by the time it was over with, but I had a, a, a couple of experiences. Most of these were decades ago, and I'm going to name names, but they were all good experiences. I called in an order to a uh, pizza hut went to pick it up. They had the ticket where they had made the pizza, but they couldn't find it. Somebody had eaten it, or they gave it to somebody else. But they offered me a drink and a salad while I waited. You know, they did what they could. could. They were apologetic. Uh, I was uh, at a little uh, weekend-only locally owned Catfish and Steak Place one time and there was a long delay and you know I wasn't upset I was young I was on the date enjoying the company saw fireworks out the window over the 10 Tom waterway and when I went to pay at the end uh the owner asked you know how was everything and I said well it was good you know when we finally got it you know I wasn't complaining I wasn't upset well he took the ticket he laid it aside and he said uh this one is on us we hope it's Will help you come back again. Went to a KFC one time. Had several people in the car. Uh, had to wait on the chicken. They offered a drink for everybody that was in the car. Uh, went to my local McDonald's back during the the shutdown, and there was a delay. And the manager came out when they finally brought the food. Gave me my fourteen dollars back. You no. know, and I didn't complain or ask for any of those times. So my question is, you know, when something goes wrong, you know, what kind of what should the customer do to get it solved, you know, other than drive into the restaurant? Or, you know, what should the restaurant people do to handle the situation?
2: I'm going to turn that over to Malcolm since he's run restaurants. But I just have one word to say on those experiences of yours, and that is the true definition of hospitality. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, in our business, we are taught from the very beginning that the customer is always right. Now, that's somewhat controversial in some circles. And but it's
2: been taken to the limit.
0: It has been taken to the limit and beyond. But the service industry is about serving people, and it's not about telling people you know, what they should or should not enjoy. Or, and when people have a problem or a complaint, uh, as a customer, you have every right to express that first to the server. If you get no uh, re- resolution, then ask for a manager and you don't have to be belligerent. You don't have to be excitable. You just say, you know, I ordered the redfish and somehow I ended up with the shrimp dish and the shrimp dish was delicious and I ate it because all the other food came at the same time, but I really ordered the redfish to which the manager, if if they're on their P's and Q's will say, well, that's on the house. It's our mistake. We're really sorry. Next time you come in, you know, be sure and say hello and we'll make sure that we get you the redfish. And there's a number of ways. Some people will offer a free drink. Some people will offer a complimentary dessert.
2: Or dessert for the table. That's for the happened table. to me.
0: Other people will just comp that particular entree. Mm-hmm. At Howlin' Mow's, I was... I always, if it was wrong, I used to. I had a line on the menu that says, if, "If if what you ordered is not what you ordered, if it's not what you thought, if you were not satisfied, please let us know, and we'll make it right." And most of the time, I would either comp it or give them a gift certificate for another meal at a time that, where they could come back. But you know, the overarching idea is you want people to leave with a positive attitude and have a positive experience, and it's whatever it takes. Uh, And everybody does it ever so slightly differently.
2: Yeah, you know, I read in Cooking and Coping, this was a few months ago, it was the first time we had Sambu's on our radio show. And a group drove from maybe it was an hour, hour and a half away to come for – it was a very specific –
3: was it the chicken yassa?
2: No, it was a very specific. Oxtails. No, no, it's something something they do. I don't know if it was Egyptian or I, I could look on the menu and take. But it's very very complex, and they only do it you know certain days a week. Well, the group got there and they didn't have it, and they were so incredibly disappointed. And so the woman called and spoke with Joseph Sambu and. He was so lovely and you know it and told them why they why they didn't have it uh and invited the whole group back and they did a dinner with that specific dish that they that they were looking for and so this woman wrote this beautiful post that was circulated to you know hundreds and hundreds of people on facebook and i I thought at the time how lovely. Mm-hmm. And what a great experience! Because you know, all all restaurants, something's going to go wrong, somewhere, sometime. And when it turns into a positive experience, like that, it's a beautiful thing.
3: So I, I agree with what Malcolm said. The, the goal. That when you visit the restaurant is to leave with a positive experience, even if something did go wrong. I mean, you want those customers to come back. I would believe, <laughs> so yeah. you want them to leave with a yeah. positive experience, whether you made the right, made the wrong right, or you know everything was perfect from the get go.
2: Yeah, but but the worst is when people get irate, yeah. and, and because then it raises raises it, and there's you know no way to resolve
0: it. Yeah, the, there's no resolution. If there's an attitude on either side of that, if the uh, restaurant owner or manager cops an attitude, it's not going to work. If the customer is angry, uh, you know, belligerent, it, it's generally not going to work out. But you know, it, it's a tough business. But people come with high expectations. People come to a restaurant. Knowing that they're going to spend x amount of money that they've worked hard for, they're looking for an experience away from everyday life. They want it to be extraordinary. They want time away. They don't, you know, they don't want to be blasted with loud music if they don't want loud music, or people talking if they don't want. And it's a complicated formula. And uh, th- the idea is just for everybody to remain calm and, uh, you know, to communicate. And uh, everybody wants to leave with a good experience.
2: Well, you know, I love that David called in and brought up this question. And uh, I also noted that our three callers have been from North Mississippi. Yeah, Hernando,
0: morning. New Albany, and uh, Fulton.
2: And obviously, uh, a lesson to be learned is biscuits are a very touchy thing with people.
0: Yeah, you don't want to leave them out. Yeah, and, 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 and there's also, you know, what kind of biscuit do you like? Scott Peacock talked a lot about the what style of biscuit, you know, the hard biscuit, the soft biscuit, the, you know, this biscuit, mm-hmm. that biscuit. And he talked about why he made the type of biscuit, which we will share with you next Monday.
2: Yes. And if your biscuits are left out or if they run out, do not bang on the counter or drive your car into the building. <laughs> I don't believe people do that over hamburgers, but obviously they do it over biscuits.
0: Yeah, and biscuits can, uh, I guess, bring out the best and the worst. And the worst. In, in and, people.
2: David, we thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. You know, there are a couple little quick topics here I'd like to touch on if we have time. One is this idea of that I mentioned uh, uh, in the introduction of microwaving rice and uh, I, I've never done that so I, I don't have a lot to share but I can't imagine that it wouldn't work just fine but I'm not a rice expert I'm certainly not a microwave expert Carol have you ever experienced well
2: that I'm old. I mean I'm old school with rice I learned how to make rice in the Philippines and you know I'm just old school, but Java read about this in the New York Times. So, yeah it was so a part of the tell New York, it
3: to us brother. It was a part of a New York Times article. I thought it was interesting because you know we sometimes look at the the microwave as a a second class uh kitchen utensil yeah. but uh the the chefs and the people in the article said if you do it a certain way, it'll come out right, and you won't have those crusty, crunchy ones at the bottom of the
0: pot.
2: <laughs> but it takes 15 to 25 minutes. Why not just put it on the pot? I don't know. Well, well I, you may
0: not have a stove. You may be working exclusively exactly. out of a microwave in a hotel room.
2: Or yeah, something. And, and you don't want those crispy grains at the bottom.
0: <laughs> no, you don't want those. <laughs> you know, the microwave is often thought of as the deep fryer, uh, you know, kind of tool. But uh, very useful if you know how to operate it, and that's a good tip. So don't be afraid to cook your rice in a microwave if that is what you are led to do. And with that, we thank you for dialing in today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by the generous contributions from our listeners just like you. And we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.